Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So much. And I want to also remind you that we have all of our youth ministries are going uh, on as regular. And tonight will be our high school youth meeting, and they'll be having pizza and a great time together. Junior high had a wonderful outing on uh, Friday night, uh, bowling party together, a great turnout. So remember, uh, families, to bring the young people on Sunday morning at 9.30. They're beginning upstairs at the high school, junior high, and original group together, sharing in some worship time together before they uh, break up for their studies. So be sure and bring them on time for Sunday morning as well. So you might have noticed our theme this morning. We are talking a lot about Thanksgiving. Oftentimes it's next Sunday, which is Thanksgiving weekend, we would have our Thanksgiving emphasis. But because next Sunday is also December 1st, we are going to begin our Advent series that we do each year for Christmas time. So next Sunday we will begin our Christmas meditations or Advent meditations next Sunday, December 1st. And so today we are going to uh, think about Thanksgiving since it is Thanksgiving this week. So let's pray. Fathers, we look into your word and uh, contemplate the uh, joy and the privilege of being a thankful people. We have so much to be thankful for. And uh, Lord, we, we, we trust that we will be a thankful people. And as we open your word now, we pray your Holy Spirit will be with us and enable us to understand it, to internalize it, and to walk with you this week. In Christ's name, amen. So the holiday seasons, Thanksgiving and Christmas, lend themselves to particular uh, portions of Scripture that are appropriate and lessons. And when it comes to Thanksgiving, one of the lessons that I, I know we we read often, and it just sort of comes to mind to me, is Luke chapter 17. I'd like us to read this for a moment, and then we're going to come back to it as we consider a little bit about this idea of Thanksgiving. But in Luke chapter 17... And verse 11. Let's just read this through, and then we will come back to it. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went. And they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. And the rest of this chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you happen to have a heading in your Bible, you'll notice uh, verse 22, I have a heading that says, He predicts His second coming. And so we go into the Lord Jesus Christ speaking of what's going to happen when He returns and what the future holds for Israel. So this is a sort of a classic story from the Bible on thanksgiving, of giving of thanks. This one man comes back to give Thanks. I'd like to talk about this word a little bit this morning, because as part of a word group, 
in the New Testament. As you know, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And it also reflected a lot of Hebrew culture and thought because of the, obviously the Jewish background. And so the, the word group that this belongs to is a very, very important and predominant word group in the New Testament that actually is a very multifaceted um, group, uh, a word group that you'll find just throughout the pages of the New Testament and in the Old Testament as well in a sense that when the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament was translated into Greek, and that's important because we know that, for example, the apostles, when they wrote and quoted Scripture, their working Bible, if you will, my working Bible today is the English Bible, right? I mean, that's my working Bible. Some of you have different language Bibles. The working Bible, like for the Apostle Paul, for example, was the Greek Old Testament. That's what they primarily used and quoted from. In synagogue, of course, and in temple worship, they would use the Hebrew. But the Greek translation was the common translation tongue that people would use around the Mediterranean world. And so these words are important as they translate the Hebrew words as well. There's a young lady here in our church uh, who's been coming for some years, of course. Her name is Karis. And I have been known on occasion, more than once, to see her on Sunday morning and say, Hi, Grace. And she kind of looks at me and I say, Wait a minute. I, I, you know. And that's because of my elementary understanding of the Greek language. I'm not a scholar. But one of the first words that you use and you learn is the word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. And so I get confused once in a while, right? And uh, so it's good that you don't have a Greek name as well. And uh, I say, hi, Grace. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's charis. Grace and charis. You know, the word grace, the word charis, as the Apostle Paul especially uses, the apostles use, we find it in the epistles, is a very, is a very predominant word. One of the most well-known verses that we memorize and we teach our young people from Ephesians 2, for by what are you saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. And not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's interesting, as you look at Paul's salutations, as he writes his letters, as we as we write letters, and we have certain ways we address letters, depending if it's a business letter or a personal letter. But let's just take a quick, if you just take a quick look at, at the epistles, look at, look at the book of Romans, and we will see how Paul uses these greetings. And when he writes, when he writes to the, the churches, he writes to this church at Rome. He's never been to Rome. But notice after he gives an introduction, then he, he has a salutation in verse 7 of chapter 1. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can go throughout, you can go throughout the epistles and if you, as you begin at each of the letters, Paul says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. And then we go to the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and Philemon. He always begins them. Paul, Ephesians 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And likewise in the other prison epistles, he writes from his, his, his prison situation under house arrest. 
sends a letter out to these, and he, he says, grace and peace to you, because these words go together so much. The word charis is used to translate the Old Testament word chesed, and it's the idea of, of God's blessing and, and unmerited favor upon them. Israel was chosen by God because why? God says, I did not choose you because you were so numerous. He says in Deuteronomy, I chose you because I chose to set my love upon you. And we teach that the word grace at its base level means unmerited favor. Something that you or I do not deserve. In Ephesians chapter 4, it's translated the idea of benefit. The idea that God has given his gifts that we don't deserve because he has chosen to be gracious. Charis is a central concept that expresses, especially in the epistles, the understanding of salvation. Grace and peace to you. Now we're talking about Thanksgiving today. Why am I talking about Charis and grace? We'll get to that in just a moment. But the interesting thing is, the word charis itself is really, it's really based on another Greek word, which is really at the root of the whole matter, and that is the word that's pronounced chiro. You can pronounce charis, charis as well. The word chiro, which sounds just like the city in Egypt, chiro, 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 is the word that is part of this word group as well. And in fact, the word grace is really a derivative of this word. And this word means joy. To rejoice. To have joy. You know, we, re- we began and we'll come back to Luke chapter 17. But in Luke chapter 15, we see how this word Cairo, which is part of this word group, is used. And in verse 7 of chapter 15, the Lord Jesus Christ says this, Well, let's look at verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder, speaking about the lost sheep. And he goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way. Now look at There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. There will be more rejoicing in heaven. Cairo, the word joy. The word to be merry. Joy is interesting, used throughout the Bible. And and this, this Greek word is used to translate the Hebrew thought as well in the Bible, that it's God's joy to bless His people. That it brings God joy to extend grace. It's not just an inward cause. But as one of the, the, the commentaries, that's a well-known Greek commentary, made this comment, it finds expression and it aims at sharing. Joy is reciprocal. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, that we rejoice together, you at my and I at you, that what God is doing, we rejoice together. That we have joy Joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more rejoicing in heaven. Of course, in the epistles, Paul talks about rejoice, rejoice. So I say it again, rejoice. And it's the same word that is, that is really the base word. And you can see how it flows together, that the idea of joy and grace go together. 
And I think in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, why is there rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents? This thing today, I mean, that's true, isn't it? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Just think today, how many people, how many people from the time we began, the time we end around this world are going to come to eternal hope and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the rejoicing in heaven right now that's going on as people embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and receive His forgiveness for their sin. There's rejoicing because grace and rejoicing, grace and joy are connected. It must bring God joy to extend His grace to you and to me. Cairo. Joy is really the word, the root of this word that we're talking about today. Grace is a derivative of it as well. To extend something that you don't deserve. And it brings joy. It gives joy to the giver and it gives joy to the one who receives this as well. Making glad by bringing gifts. And this brings us then to our word, thanks. The Lord said, was there not other, weren't there ten that were healed? Only one came back to, to bless God. And it says the man came back and he thanked the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving. This is the time of year that we celebrate Thanksgiving. Now we, had, we of course know that we are to be a thankful people all year round. We are not to be a thankful people just one day. But I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. Not just because it happens every year the same week my birthday happens. And John Ockwell's birthday happens generally, right? Don't you love Thanksgiving holiday? You don't have to go out and put a list together of things to buy for people, right? And you don't have to, you know, it's, it's, what is it? It's a, it's basically a celebration with family and friends around the meal. And we have our traditions. You have your traditions. We have our traditions. But Thanksgiving, I think it's just a wonderful holiday. It's a great time to be together. It's a great time to celebrate what God has done and given to us. The, the, but here's the thing. The word thanksgiving is the Greek word eucharisto. Eucharisto. Eucharist. Charis, right? You see the root there? Joy. Grace. Thanks are all related to the same thought. They all spring from this word joy. Eucharisto. Giving of thanks. The background in the New Testament really is the Hebrew background of giving thanks, especially at a meal. Every meal is a prayer of blessing. Blessed be the, the God of the universe. Blessed be thou, O God, who has blessed us, who is the God of the universe. Every meal. We pray at meals. We pray sometimes very casually, sometimes very short. You know, we have, when, when Teresa and I even, you know, share a meal, just the casual, We'll have a short prayer. Yes, it's not a long, deep prayer. It's just a short prayer. And I hope you, I hope this is part of your habit too, because, because this is part of our, our habit to give God thanks. And it's, it's just a meal time is when we really stop and just to be reminded as a family how, that God has blessed us. And that there are people today who, who would never, who would never in their lives maybe share the kind of meal we're going to share on Thanksgiving. And we should be generous and help those in need. And we are to stop and to give God thanks. And this comes from the Jewish tradition where there are set prayers for meals that you, you just, is part of your life. And the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, and we read this last week when we celebrate communion, the night he was betrayed, 
He took bread and what? He gave thanks. That sounds like sort of a throwaway line. He gave thanks. But in the Jewish concept, in the Jewish culture, this is very important. There was a Jewish prayer. He, he just didn't say, thank you, God. He recited the Jewish prayer of thanksgiving that was prescribed, especially for Passover meal. It was a prayer. He gave thanks. And, of course, that's why in many traditions it's called the Eucharist. Because that's what it says. He took the bread, the night he was betrayed, and he Eucharisto. He gave thanks. And that giving of thanks is based on the idea of joy and grace and giving of thanks. In the Hebrew tradition, going back to Leviticus, there's a whole set of offerings called the Todah offerings. Like no little Hebrew, next time you're in Israel, here's one phrase you can remember. Todah Rabbah. That means, thank you very much. There, you know some Hebrew now, right? Next time we go to Hebrew, next time we go to Israel together, someone does something nice for you, you can say, Toda Rabbah. Toda means thanks, Rabbah means many times over. Toda Rabbah. And Toda is the, is the, is the Hebrew word for thanks, and it's used for offerings that the people gave. There's a whole prescription of thanks offerings given to God in the temple. Thanksgiving offerings. And this is the background when the Lord Jesus Christ gave thanks for the meal. The Todah, the, the, the thanksgiving offerings, the meal blessings, Paul's salutations. As we looked at, and I want you to, let's just take a quick look back, if you don't mind. Uh, I can read into it if you'd like to follow along. We go back to some of these traditions, these blessings that we noticed in the epistles. In Romans chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul says, Grace and peace to you. You'll notice he says in verse 7, Grace and peace to you. I don't know, those two words are, go together. Grace Charis and Aranea, or Hebrew Shalom, peace to you. Verse 8, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Grace, peace, thanks. I thank my God for you. You go to the next epistle, 1 Corinthians, as he begins the epistle to the Corinthians. And he says, Verse 3, grace and peace to you. Verse 4, I always thank God for you because of his grace. There's all of them there. Because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Again, you go to the prison epistles and you'll see the same pattern as he, as he greets the people. And he gives thanks. He gives thanks. Verse 15 of chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul's in this continual frame of mind of thanking God for these churches that are growing, that the people are coming to Christ, the gospel is sharing, God's love is spreading around the world. And you'll see this throughout these epistles. Grace, mercy, peace, and thanks. And I give thanks to God for all of you. Thanks to God for His unmerited favor. And of course, one of our favorite verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. In the King James, I learned it. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. I love that language. Unspeakable gift. Unspeakable meaning we, we don't have enough words we don't have the right words to really give God thanks 
for the gift of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and paid for our sins and offers us eternal life, forgiveness, and the resurrection. Thanks be to God. Eucharisto. Fudarabah. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. It's a wonderful group of words. Joy. Grace. Thanks. And they're all related and really all based upon that word joy. And so as we go back to Luke chapter 17, I thought, you know, of all the accounts in the Bible and the New Testament, this really helps bring these together. Let's consider for a few moments before we close this, this lesson once again. This is not a parable. This is a true lesson. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the Passion Week. He's going there to die on the cross of Calvary. And he travels along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And that is because Jesus' hometown is up north in Galilee. Jerusalem is in the south. And in between lies Samaria. As we've talked about before, it was not normal for a Jew, especially a rabbi like Jesus, a teacher. It would not be normal to pass through Samaria. You would either go across the Jordan River, come all the way down, and then come back to Jerusalem, or you would stay on the coast, go along the coast. You did not go through Samaria. They were unclean. There was racial tensions. They, they did not like each other. The Jews looked down on them. They were worse than Gentile dogs, if you will. They were the lowest of the low. The Samaritans. The Samaritans were a group of people that from the Jewish perspective and the rabbis were really kind of half Jews in that, in that during the time of the, uh, when the ten tribes were scattered in the Old Testament and the Assyrians brought people in to repopulate and they mixed with the people that were there and they corrupted the Jewish faith. They had their own temple worship. They, yet they still used the books of Moses. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? She says, she says, I know that Messiah is coming. Because they still believed in the five books of Moses. But the, but the Jews really, really hated and disliked the Samaritans for the most part. But you notice Jesus comes down and he's going along the border, probably from west to east, to come into Jerusalem. He's going right in the border between, between Samaria and Judea. And he travels in that border region. And as he does so, he comes to a village in verse 12. It doesn't say if it's on, the, it's on the Jewish side or the Samaritan side. Probably the Jewish side, but as he comes to this village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they shouted, and they stood at a distance, and they called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now we know later in the story, one of these is a Samaritan. Now isn't this interesting? The Samaritans and Jews didn't mix. But it's amazing what adversity and suffering will do for a person. It didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter. They were in this boat together. They were lepers. And on both sides of the border, in the Sumerian side and on the Jewish side, because of the book of Leviticus, which both sides accepted, these men were unclean, unwelcome, and social outcasts. And we read this in Leviticus chapter 13, and I don't want to take time to go through all the 
verses today on skin diseases and boils and flesh and turning white. Remember, Gary gave you permission not to read that a couple of years ago when you do your Bible reading, okay? You'll never live that down, right? Okay. It's that section he was talking about. All this detail about infectious. And actually, the word leprosy in the Hebrew is really used for a whole variety of skin diseases. So in the real live leprosy case, where it is that very deadly disease and very contagious, these people were outcasts. You've seen this, if you've seen the movie Ben-Hur, right, in the 60s, and that scene of that leper colony. These men stood at a distance because they didn't dare come near Jesus. The interesting thing is, in Luke chapter 5, in this, in this same epistle, we have another case where a leper does come to Jesus and ask for mercy. You know what it says? Jesus reached out and touched him and said, you're healed, be clean. Wow. Jesus is now unclean. He has touched the leper. Or is he? Was the man clean the moment Jesus touched him and no longer a leper? But in that case, he reached out and touched him. In this case, the men shout at him. And there's nine Jews and one Samaritan, but it doesn't matter. They're lepers. And they're in the leper colony. And they have no hope. And so it doesn't matter anymore, right? The racial, the racial hostility doesn't really make any difference when you're a leper. And they cry out to Jesus. And you notice what happens in this case? Jesus doesn't go up and touch each of them and heal them. Notice what it says. When he saw them in verse 14, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Notice what he doesn't say. What does he normally say? You're healed. Your faith has made you whole. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, okay, I heal you. They ask him, Lord, have mercy on us. They've heard about this man. They've heard about his cleansing and miraculous powers. Have mercy. Have grace upon us. Have mercy. Have said upon us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. The reason he said that is the test of their faith. Because you see, you can read this in Leviticus chapter 14. It's very detailed. There's a whole prescription for someone to be accepted back in the community. They have to be over their skin disease and come to the priest, whether it's a Samaritan or a Jewish priest, and the priest has to examine them according to the book of Leviticus and their standards there and say, okay, you are clean. You don't go to the priest to get clean. You go to the priest because you are healed. And he is the one who says, yes, you are healed. Now go purify yourself and wash yourself and you are welcome back in the community. And what Jesus says and he offers them is a test of faith. He didn't say you're healed. He said, go show the priest. And the only reason you would go to the priest is because you're healed. Otherwise, there's no point in going to the priest if you still have leprosy. You wouldn't get near. Jesus says, go show yourself. And you know what? All ten of them demonstrate faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what does it say? When he said, go show yourselves, they went. They turned to head for the priest. And they were cleansed. They were cleansed. 
I wonder at this moment, there's a little problem though. Because nine of them are heading to Jerusalem. But the Samaritan is not welcome in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, these ten men who have bonded together in their adversity and their suffering, all of a sudden the division's back. One of them can't go to Jerusalem. He has to go back to Samaria. Nine can go to Jerusalem. One has to go back to Samaria. You know, did they say goodbye to each other? <laughs> did all of a sudden they not like each other anymore? They're, all of a sudden, this ama- their skin is clean. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're clean. It's obvious. Everything has changed. They are healed. They are clean. All ten of them. And bye. <laughs> you know, we're going. And they leave. And they go their separate ways. And it's at that point, verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, now notice what it says. I wish, I wish we could, I wish we had a picture of this, this scene. He didn't come back, you know, oh Lord, thank you. No, what it says. He came back praising God in a loud voice. He was shouting. He was blessing God. He's a Samaritan. But he's praising God. He's blessing God. He's rejoicing. He Maybe he's dancing. Maybe he's jumping up and down. Maybe he's screaming everybody that could hear him. I'm clean. He came back rejoicing. He came back praising God. This Samaritan praising Yahweh. Praising God. He came back celebrating and praising. And he threw himself down at Jesus' feet. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet. And what? Eucharisto. He thanked him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As he's laying at his feet, probably grabbing onto his feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, we're not all ten clans. What happened to the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. What about the other nine? They were cleansed. And they demonstrated faith. Because they turned and went. If any one of them had said, that's a dumb idea. I'm not going to priest. He's not going to accept me. He wouldn't have been cleansed. They also had faith. They had faith. They went and they showed themselves to the priests. And they were cleansed because they turned and they believed Jesus' word and they went. But they didn't stop and come back and give thanks. I would assume they're just as happy. They're just as joyful. But it never occurred to them to stop and thank Jesus for what he did. You know, it's this account here, this story to me. It kind of brings all these thoughts together for this rich word that we translate joy carrots, and thanks. Why did that man do that? It's because God showed him mercy. He didn't deserve this. But Jesus Christ was merciful and said, go show yourself to priests. You'll be healed. And he turned and went, heading back to Samaria, and he was cleansed. And he received God's grace and mercy. And receiving that grace and mercy 
brought to his heart this joy. This joy. Cairo. Because he received Kairos. Kairos. He received this joy. and He was merry. He rejoiced. He was celebrating. And it was that joy and celebration that caused him to stop in Eucharisto and give thanks to the one who healed him. What came first after the mercy and grace? Was it the joy or the thanksgiving? Was he thankful because he was joyful? Or was he joyful because he was thankful? And I ask you today, friends, as we come and celebrate this week, Thanksgiving together. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, giving of thanks. Do you want joy in your life? What is joy? Joy is not always happiness. We all know that. There are unhappy things that happen in our lives. We all know that. Many of you have unhappy things going on in your life today or your children's lives. But we are still called to have joy. And what is it that brings joy in our life? Is it not God's grace and mercy? And would it be possible that in these unhappy moments in life or the happy moments in life, that if we stop and give thanks to God, that that will create in our lives joy and bring joy because we're thankful. Or this week and each day, will we give thanks because we are joyful, because we have received God's mercy and grace. Friends, this is a beautiful group of words. Joy. Grace. Thanksgiving. All three of these are part of our experience as God's people of giving thanks. I wish we could, I wish we could be there to watch this leper come back jumping, shouting, praising God, throwing himself down and praising God, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, this Samaritan. The Lord says, where are the other nine? Only one came back to praise God because he was thankful. It is certainly appropriate of all people that we are the most thankful people. We give thanks and thanksgiving for the blessings God has given us, for the food, for the clothes, for the shelter, for the heat, for the things that we experience. But friends, the thing we are most thankful for is that God has shown mercy and grace to us. And evidently, it brought God joy to share mercy and grace to us. And should it not bring us joy as well to show mercy and grace to others and that we be known as a thankful people. The road to joy is through thanksgiving. And the road to thanks is through being joyful. Thank you very much, Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, for what you have given to us. Let's close our service. Our final song.
Let's lift our voices and let's give thanks to God. And I hope you can join us Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's a tradition we have here, Brian, of a Thanksgiving Eve service. It's for the entire family. It's a pretty simple, straightforward service. We sing some of our favorite Thanksgiving songs and hymns. We share scripture. And we have a chance to just stand, if you'd like, and just give God thanks and proclaim your joy by thanking God for the blessings He's given you. That's our service. It's pretty simple and straightforward. It's really not a sermon. I have my devotional I've had for how many years have I been pastor now, John? A long time. Long time. And I still haven't given it. And I hope I don't ever have to give it because we want to share our thanks together. Let's stand and sing our last song. What are we going to sing, John? We're going to sing Give Thanks. Give Thanks. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't know if you ever noticed the publishing companies at the end of those songs. I always like to look at those. Did you notice who published that one? John Doe. John Doe Publishing. That's the name of the company. That's all of us. That's all of us. John and Jane Doe, we give thanks. Remember, ladies, stop by the table back there. We need some table hosts. Uh, and you can ask questions about that and also buy your tickets. And for our benediction this morning, let's just read this. Colossians chapter 1. Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. Let's go home with this this morning. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has done among you since the day you heard it and understand God's grace in all its truth. Amen? Amen. Amen.